1: Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Welcome to a journey of transformation empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite,
4: Hello, Secret to Success podcasters. Thank you so much for joining us for another wonderful episode today. I have an an amazing gentleman with us, Mr. Brandon Smith. How are you doing today?
5: I am doing really well, Deanna. Thank you for having me on the show.
4: Awesome. Thank you so much. So, Mr. Brandon, if you can please let our audience know exactly who you are and what it is that you do.
5: Yeah, so probably a good starting place. My my handle is uh, The Workplace Therapist, uh, and I really make my living helping organizations become healthier and a little more free from dysfunction. So more practically speaking, I wear a few different hats in the world. So one of my hats is I'm an executive coach. So uh, I work with leaders, men and women alike, across all different kinds of industries, all different kinds of functions. Um, including entrepreneurs on helping them just become better leaders. The second hat I wear is working with leadership teams. um, So helping them function better together and get through some of the um, the bumpiness that happens when you get a group of people together and try and get them to work alongside each other. And my third hat is I've historically taught at uh, multiple business schools uh, all around areas around leadership communication. So I do a lot of workshops and teaching, um, both for companies but also in the education space to uh, help improve people's uh, leadership skills. And then, and then I also have a podcast, uh, The Workplace Therapist. So no matter what hat I wear, my entire uh, purpose and passion in life is one singular thing, and that is to eliminate all workplace dysfunction uh, everywhere forever. So it keeps me really super busy. I was just going to say you stay busy. <laughs> I do. I do. I do well, because we're We're people. We're a really messy bunch. So all you have to do is get a group of people together and say, here, go work together and achieve something. And inevitably, someone's going to throw elbows and bloody someone's nose. Someone's going to step on someone's toes. So uh, my job is to really help smooth all that out. Uh, And then in way of background, I have a little bit of an eclectic background. So I have both a clinical degree and I I practiced in the clinical world for a number of years. And then I got an an MBA uh, to kind of balance that out. And then I started my own practice. So um, I'm also an entrepreneur, given given all, all those things.
4: Awesome. Yay. <laughs> so you have a very – you have an amazing beginning. It's It says here that you went from not being able to order a pizza due to a debilitating setup to becoming a master communicator. So can you please let our audience know – that process and how it led you to where you are today.
5: Yeah, so I'm going to go all the way kind of back in time. So I'm the youngest of three boys. I had two older brothers who were adopted um and then my parents were told they couldn't have children and then I came along. Uh so so surprised. And uh my brothers were <laughs> 12 and 11 years older than me. And so um growing up, uh you know, it was I always tell people Being the youngest of three boys, uh, I know what the inside of a dryer looks like. That's what big brothers do to little brothers, stick them inside a dryer. Uh, I know it's like somebody say, don't ask questions, just drink it. That's what big brothers do to little brothers. And so life was kind of fun. It it, it was was actually (laughs) a lot of fun growing up with them. But I will say uh, my oldest brother, he was in and out of trouble a lot. So he was in and out of jail, rehab centers, uh, and it created a lot of kind of just dysfunction in my house. And uh, when I was 10, um, he took his own life. And that was a really kind of traumatic experience for me uh, and my family, so much so that right after that, I came down with this uncontrollable stutter. Uh, And that was when I was going into middle school. So every day before middle school, I would go in early, early in the morning, and I'd see my speech therapist, and I'd work on my P's and work on my T's and work on my B's. Those were all the letters that would trip me up that I could never quite get all the way through. And so then I would go on to the school day. And between um, all the trauma with my brother at home and the way kids are treated with stutters at school, um, I just decided, you know, people were way too, dis- too dysfunctional. I didn't really want to deal with them. So that was kind of my strategy, my coping strategy in high school and even in college. I would just kind of be like a wallflower, really distance myself from people. Um, so I went off to college and I got a degree in, in communications, ironically enough. Um, <laughs> and when I graduated, I still didn't know what I wanted to do um, for, uh, for a job. And like most good communication majors, I was unemployed at graduation. I couldn't find a job. And I ended up getting this job with this chain of retail stores. And it was a family-owned business. And uh, my boss was the son-in-law of the owner. So the woman who started this business, those 15 stores, uh, her, her daughter married this guy. and He was my boss. And he greeted me uh, at the door of the store where I was going to be the assistant manager, my boss did, on my first day of work. And he said, so excited to have you here, but before you get started, I want you to go in the back room, um, and waiting for you is the current assistant manager, but he doesn't know you're coming. So I want you to go back there and fire him, and then you get his job. And and that ah. was how my boss rolled. He he would come in. He'd love to do everything you shouldn't do as a leader. He'd love surprise visits to try and catch people doing things they should be doing. He'd come into the store, and he'd say, I don't like what Sharon's wearing up front. Go fire her. I had to do more layoffs in the first um, six months of that job than any other time in my career, actually. And it was during that time that I kind of woke up and realized a couple things about my life. And I realized, first, work shouldn't have to suck. It should be a source mm-hmm. of, of fulfillment and, and purpose for us. It shouldn't be anxiety and depression and stress. I mean, it is work. I know it's hard, but mm-hmm. it should be more of the good stuff, not all the bad stuff. Um, second, you know, we, we can't always choose the families that we're part of, but we can choose a lot about the workplaces that we're part of. So I wanted to kind of equip people with more of those skills. Um, and if my boss was any indication of the state of leadership in the world, we really need to make some changes. And the third, that was where my purpose was born, that uh, I really wanted to cure workplace dysfunction, uh, having no idea what I had signed up for. So that was really the kind <laughs> the, 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 the spark of, of my journey. Um, and now I, you know, I, I do so much of my time you know uh, speaking and doing workshops and teaching others how to speak. Um, and, it's, and it's kind of ironic, even that I, I had this stutter that I just couldn't get over for so many years. Um, and even today, when I do a lot of speaking, it's really contagious. Anxiety is one of the most contagious forms of emotion. So being aware of the emotion that we're bringing in makes a huge difference. And it's like a factor of two if we're the boss, because our emotional energy really sets the tone for the workplace, and the last thing I'd want to touch on is also something you mentioned around safety, psychological safety. You know, we want to make sure we're creating psychologically safe environments. So Google did a piece of research around this, and what they found was their highest-performing teams, um, what made them high-performing wasn't that they had all A players. It wasn't that they had great project management skills. It was that they had psychological safety. And those teams had two main traits. They did what, what they call equal turn-taking. So everyone talked and shared in meetings. And they have what they called high average social sensitivity. They seem to actually care about each other on the team. And in mm-hmm. order for that stuff to happen, the manager or leader has to, has to create that environment. And it often starts with some level of vulnerability, like the manager has to make it safe to ask for help or safe to share bad news or safe to say, I was wrong, you were right, um, or share a, a brand new idea, a brainstorm. And when they do that well, then people feel more safer when they come to work and they bring their whole self, which is really what we want when we come to work. So you made so many really great comments. I just wanted to add some of those little pieces to it because I think you you hit some highlights that are really important when we think about healthy work environments.
4: Thank you, and thank you for adding to that because I know in some shape, form, or fashion, every single person has experienced the worst Work environments and the best, and that's why um, being a part of Antonio's team is awesome. Because we, the one thing that he did that I've never seen anybody do is he gave us uh, the Gallup, Gallup the Gallup Strength Test, the assessments, right. and those worked perfectly. Because what he did was once once he got our results, he shifted our positions within the companies in our strengths. So we're all so he already has us in a position that we're working in that we're comfortable with because it's it's who we are naturally. And then he taught us more skill on top of that, but he always makes like we have meetings every morning which he now made public and what he does is he it's in it's open for us to speak our mind to give advice and he always tells us, he'll ask us, So what do you think about this? And he <laughs> I laugh because I'm like, So what did you come up with? And he'll stop, he will say, Nope. I'm not asking for that. I'm not telling you anything I have in my mind until you tell me first because what he's doing is he understands that once once the boss man says this, that's what it is. And he understands that that's, that's what it is within our culture. So he's mm-hmm. he forces us to shift our culture to being ourselves and giving our ideas. And he always tells us you're in the position you're in because of who you are. And I'm giving you the freedom to be who you are. So if you have an idea, express it. You know, I'm I'm the one with the ideas. I have I'm the one with futuristic. I have a friend who she, she's 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 hers is responsibility. You know, we and so he puts us in our position and having an environment like that where you're literally free to come to work and just be yourself makes it a more productive environment. So I, again, I thank yeah. you for what you're doing because when when we understand that work itself is already stressful for us, some of us don't want to go. We want to stay at home with the kids, or it's just one of those <laughs> days. <Right. laughs> but mm-hmm. but to have that environment where it's like, okay, the kids will be okay. I actually feel like going to work today. Like to have that thought, I actually feel like going to work today. That's when you know, okay, it I've I've. I've created a great work environment. So I want to I want to thank you for that. I do thank you very much. Yeah,
5: absolutely. Well, thank you, of course, absolutely. It, it's exciting to get, to get to do what I do every day and and try and make a little difference.
4: So that brings me to the to the next question: the hot sauce principle. I would love for you to break that down, and explain to us what the hot sauce principle is and and exactly how we use that in our work environments to make them better environment.
5: Yeah, so uh, this is my newest book. It's called The Hot Sauce Principle, How to Live and Lead in a World Where Everything is Urgent All the Time. And, I, and this was the issue that all my clients had been facing, even still with COVID. People still face it. But it's definitely been true the last three or four or five years, where they were coming to me and they said, hey, Brandon, first, time is my most precious resource. It's not money, it's time. And everything is urgent all the time. And I don't know how to kind of deal with that. And so the analogy is really simple. Urgency, which is like an energy, is like hot sauce. And a little bit of it is a really good thing. You know, hot sauce, we put hot sauce on our on our, on our meal. It adds a little bit of flavor. It adds some spice. It adds some focus. Um, and it's it, it makes it more interesting. Um, and we might even want a little bit of relief. You know, we drink a little bit of water if it's too hot. But if we cover everything we get that comes out of the kitchen in hot sauce, The appetizers covered in hot sauce. The salads covered in hot sauce. The steaks covered in hot sauce. The brownies covered in hot sauce. The iced teas covered in hot sauce. You know, we're just overwhelmed and burned out. We can't. Not only can we not focus. You know, we're 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 unable to really function in a productive way. So, the uh, the analogy is really all about how do we control the amount of hot sauce we're putting on other people, like our teams, but also. How do we push back when other people are trying to to make everything in our life urgent all the time, whether that's customers or our bosses? So that's the whole idea of it is how can we manage the hot sauce in life a, a little bit better so it's adding more interest and spice and not completely overwhelming
2: Okay, guys, there is nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals, you need a personalized approach. Thankfully, now there's Gainful, the personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and goals. Gainful gives you peace of mind that your protein, hydration, and pre workout supplements contain the finest ingredients specifically for you. Now, I have been on my weight release journey um, f- since the beginning of this year. And in the process of doing that, you pay more attention to what you're putting in your body, what you're doing to your body. And I love the Gainful products because it's specified specifically for me. It has a wonderful flavor. I'm one with the sweet tooth, so it works out for me. It doesn't have that grainy, feel, uh, grainy taste to it, that some pottery taste to it. And the one thing I love about it the most is I know that my body is different from everybody else's. So with Gainful, I know that I'm putting into my body what is specifically needed for my body. You know, my brother works out on a daily basis. I can't intake the same things he intakes. You know, I can't intake the same things that my mom would intake. And she's older than me and she's going through a process as well. So I truly love Gainful because it allows me... To know, it, it gives me the peace of knowing that while I'm working out, while I'm going about my day-to-day uh, activities, I know that what I'm putting in my body is healthy for me. And it tastes great. It it, it doesn't steer me away. You know how some some things some, some supplements taste so horrible where it's like, okay, I just can't do this even though I know I need to? Not gainful. And I absolutely love it. You get started by taking the five-minute gainful quiz. Gainful considers your dietary needs, goals, and unique physiology to personalize your formula. And the one thing I love the most is Gainful delivers your supplements with no shipping charge every month, and you can cancel anytime or adapt your plan as needed, which is something else I absolutely love about Gainful because as I I transition, as I release the weight, as I change, as I work out more or work out less, as I become more active or as I want to maintain, I can... I can reach out and I can adapt my gainful subscription to what my body has transitioned to because six months, six months from now, I'm not going to need the same things I need anymore. And that's one of the other things that I absolutely love about gainful. So what I want you to do to get your $20 off from your personalized supplements, go to gainful.com slash success. Again, that's gainful, G-A-I-N-F-U-L.com slash success for $20 off. Gainful, your
4: personalized nutrition made for your taste. All right. I like that. I really like that a lot because, if you, I've walked into an envir- a work environment before where everyone's calm and then the manager walks in and the manager is, like, at the highest peak of anxiety ever. So the entire work environment went from, Cool, cool, calm, collected, flowing, functionally to everyone is now on this fantastic level. And when yeah. you when you say when you say it that way, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So the bosses walked in and just put hot sauce on everybody at this point. <laughs> yeah. and it's it's like yeah. it's like the the level five hot sauce where it's so hot you can't taste your tongue, like your tongue goes numb. <laughs> this, this, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, because this, as you're saying, as you're breaking it down, I'm actually picturing all this in my head. It's like, wow. So how? So how does? Okay. So let's say I am that manager. I'm the manager no. who comes in, and I am, I'm spazzing out because um, the CEO is coming, and I'm nervous. I walk in nervous, I make everyone else nervous, everyone's at high levels of anxiety, everything that can go wrong is possibly going wrong. What do I do as that manager to not bring that on my employees?
5: Okay, so let's start at a high level. The goal of a manager, so my my personal belief around leadership, I subscribe to a lot of leadership philosophies, but I believe the first step for any leader is for her or him to drive clarity. Clarity around goals, clarity around roles, clarity around expectations. I mean, that's really our first job as a manager and leader is to say, this is what you're supposed to do on the team. This is what success looks like. This is what we need to focus on. So it's a good reminder for us because our job first is to drive clarity in situations like that. Second, um, we've got to make sure we don't kind of fall into that kind of kick the dog syndrome, you know, where... Just because our boss is anxious, that, then, they, then they push that down on us, which then we just push it down to our people, which push it down to somebody else. Like, that's not healthy. Um, so we've got to really be thoughtful and kind of focus and prioritize around this. Hmm. So I'll give you um, a, an idea, concept that came from one of my clients that I think is phenomenal. So this client of mine, uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's got a 50-person business. He's an anxious guy as it is. So he's always kind of coming in and with everything being urgent all the time. And when I talked to his people, they said, yeah, you know, we're, we're almost near burnout because he's just so wound up. So I shared with him this idea of hot sauce as being urgency, and I gave him a little bottle of hot sauce. I carry around those little bottles of Tabasco that you might see at like a hotel. Have you ever been to a hotel uh-huh. buffet, those tiny little bottles? I buy those in yeah. bulk and give them out to people. So I gave him one oh, of those. Awesome. Well, he Well, he went out and he bought actually three bottles of hot sauce three big bottles, and stuck them all on his desk. One, two, three. And every time he gave out an initiative or project to one of his direct reports that was urgent, he handed them a bottle of hot sauce with that project. And they had to hold on to the bottle until the project was done, and then they would give him the bottle back. And what it did was two things. First, it reminded the direct report that this is urgent. But second, he only had three bottles he could hand out at a given time. So he couldn't make everything urgent all the time. If he ran out of bottles, he ran out of bottles. And I think that's wow. the key. You, you really can't have, particularly today, the leaders that are most, have been most successful, even going through COVID, have been the leaders that have no more than three to five priorities. Those are the things that are urgent and require attention. So those are the things that get hot sauce. Nothing else does. So as a leader, really be thoughtful about, okay, what are the three to five things I really need to focus my team on? Because remember, we're trying to drive clarity. We've got to keep them focused. And hot, hot sauce is a way to keep them focused. So what are the three to five things to get hot sauce? And those are the three to five. Nothing else gets it. Um, and be really intentional about that. And if you have to go out and buy bottles of hot sauce to remind you, well, go buy some bottles of hot sauce and stick them on your desk. It, it, it will help.
4: Yeah, I can I can see how that would help too. Cause like, and I like that you said, and I um Audience, I hope I hope you guys are listening and taking notes. You say you should have no more than three to five main focus points. Is that each? Yep. Is that each day? Each day you should have no more than three to five. And if you only have those three I, to five, it's not understand. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
5: No, so I would say I would go even broader than that. I would say three to five priorities for your team that are that are pretty consistent at, at a kind of week at a time. So um, experts in the crisis management space, so if, like a team's going through a crisis or a company's going through a crisis, like a mm-hmm. lot of companies have with COVID, they say a, team, a company can only focus on, on things one week at a time. So I would probably say kind of keep those three to five priorities at a week at a time or maybe even more like two weeks or three weeks at a time. We all have our to-do list. I've got my to-do list sitting right next to me that have my things for the, for the, for the day that I need to work on but they should all be moving towards those three to five priorities. And the key is no more than three to five. Now, here's another important point to this. You have your three to five priorities. Your manager may have a different three to five. And you may have a peer of your manager that has a different three to five, and they're putting pressure on you. So part of the other challenge um, as a leader, um, whether whether we're inside a company and we've got other leaders or bosses, or we're an entrepreneur and we've got customers, we've got to make sure that we're managing other people's hot sauce that they're trying to put on us because i'm sure they would like to make everything they're giving us urgent too so we've got to make sure we we learn how to push back on them properly and 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 manage that and that could be something if you'd like to we can talk about that
4: i was actually just about to ask that question how would you know as the how would you how would you know what you need to prioritize as okay this needs to go out i have all of these have i have five tasks in front of me all five have hot sauce bottles which bottle is more important (laughs) for me to get out first before i hit the next one like how should i prioritize these hot this hot this collection of hot sauce i have right now
5: yeah totally okay so let's back up a
4: minute workplace anxiety so when we feel
5: anxious at work workplace anxiety comes from one of two places Other than it can also come from our boss. Our boss can be anxious and make us anxious. But generally speaking, workplace anxiety comes from two places. Either we don't have enough information to solve a problem. That's when we wake up in the middle of the night thinking about work because we don't have enough kind of information to figure out how to solve this this puzzle we've got put in front of us. Mm -hmm. Or we don't have enough time or resources to get something accomplished in, in the amount of time we've been given. So they say, hey, Ganna, we want you to get all this stuff done. You have 24 hours, and you don't have enough time or or people or resources. So that can create anxiety for us too. In either case, the solution is a clarifying conversation. So uh, what I love about this idea is from now on, everyone who's listening to this, who has a, a boss who works inside a company right now, no longer view your manager as your manager for the rest of your life. I want you to view that person as your number one client, because oh. they are. So now it unlocks all these conversations we would be having that are really client management conversations. So if your client asks you for all these things, you go back to them and say, well, Ms. Client, I'm, I, I would love to do that for you, but unfortunately we don't have enough resources. So we have a couple options. Uh, one, we can prioritize all the things you have that you've given me, so we can, I can help understand what your priorities are. Uh, We can manage off that. Or two, you can give me more resources, and we can get more things done. But it's all about kind of understanding what their priorities are. So the last thing we want to do at work is guess. Uh, Guessing is very anxiety-producing, and inevitably we'll guess wrong, which causes problems. So one of the best things we can do is go back and clarify. So force our boss to prioritize um, or give us more resources. I had a uh, student of mine years ago, and she'd gone to work at investment banking for an internship during the summer. And there was multiple managing directors inside this office. And they, would, they were notorious for all giving her projects. So one day, uh, one of them came up with another project, and she said – and she was, she was full. She had no more capacity to do any more work. She said, I am happy to do this project that you've given me. Unfortunately, I'm at capacity. I can't do any more work. So are you comfortable if I'm, for me to go tell your managing director partner that I'm not going to do um, his project for you? Um, because you've brought me this project, I, I, I'm happy to do that if you're comfortable with that. And, and he looked at her and he said, uh, "Never mind." And he walked away with the project. So forcing 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 trade offs um, is a really um, healthy healthy way to approach approach this. So um, that would be my my number one kind of piece of advice to everyone: is when other people are putting urgency on you, view them all as clients. And then, you know, try and manage your clients' expectations. That will um help you to, to manage the amount of uh, hot sauce being put on, on your plate and your team's plate.
4: I like that. I like that a lot. So listeners, uh I hope you're taking notes. If you ever come across this while you're at work and excuse me one second, Brendan, listeners, you don't have to ha you don't have to say this passive aggressively. <laughs> you don't have to say just be calm like, Hey, you know, I currently have this, so would you like for me to go tell them? Like, you don't have to be uh, smart about it. Just politely say, hey, I have this one. I can do this, but I have to go tell such and such. So please, when communicating this, don't communicate it with a smirk. Don't communicate it with attitude. Just simply open line of communication. Just be honest with them, like, hey, I really don't mind doing this. I have to do this right here for Ralph, and if I do this for you, I can't do Ralph. So I can go tell Ralph, hey, Ralph, I won't be able to get this done to you today because Robert asked me to do this, or you can go ahead and get this done, but you just watch how you say it because that also feeds into your com- your level of comfort at your job as well. And Oh, and that brings me to another question, Brandon. How often are we – how often are is the employee responsible for their work environment and how they view it? Well, I think we
5: definitely play a role in that for for certain um I think we can impact it by um uh, making sure we're 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 thinking about the energy we're bringing into work every day um mm-hmm. and we're trying to bring in positive energy. I would say that's very important right now. So if if we're still living kind of – if we're looking in the kind of snapshot that is 2020 with um, COVID, it has created such an underlying level of anxiety for everyone that uh, one of the best things we can do is bring in either one of these two energies, either calmness or kind of um, happiness slash joy, really, really important energies to kind of bring in. So I think I think we're really – we're responsible for that. The other part that we're responsible for is finding our own kind of um, answer to the workplace happiness formula at work. So workplace happiness okay. is actually a really simple formula. It's, it's three things. It's right job, so finding a job that fits your skills and strengths. So at the end of your point, like finding your strengths, and then hopefully you have a, a leader that can help support that and puts you in a role that leverages those strengths. The second one is finding the right culture, so a place that, that um, they share similar values to you. And the third one is the right boss, uh, the leader who either shares your, your values or honors your values. If, if we have three out of three, it's like a little rainbow pops up and balls us to work every day, balls us home <laughs> every, every day. Most people um, might touch three out of three, but, but usually we end up at two out of three, which I'd call workplace satisfaction. That means one out of the three doesn't quite work perfect, but the other two work pretty well, and that's good. If we're one out of three, that's workplace dissatisfaction, um, and we're looking for an exit plan. And if we've ever encountered zero out of three, which is the wrong job for us, the wrong culture, and the wrong boss, um, it's like a little piece of our soul dies each and every day. It's really painful. And in those cases, almost the best strategy is to just you know leave as quickly as possible so you can recharge. But the part that we really own in this is understanding ourselves enough to to find the right environments that we're going to thrive in. Because I can put you in one environment that will be perfect for you, and then I can stick you in another environment, and it's the wrong one for you. But it might be the right one for somebody else. So understanding our strengths, our values, and trying to find places that match to that, that's also something that we own as, as people.
4: All right. Thank you for that. Thank you very much, so uh, ladies and gentlemen. You hold some responsibility to to your workplace enjoyment as well. I hope you wrote down the formula <laughs> so you can work on your formula as well. You do have the choice, so please make the appropriate choice if you are still in the workforce and looking to stay in there and, you know, retire, or if you're looking to retire early. And become an entrepreneur, remember those things for the employees that you hire mm-hmm. so thank you thank you very much brandon for for stressing that to us because that is something that we do need to understand, even as entrepreneurs you have to you have to create the environment for your employees for your team and so it's important yeah. for entrepreneurs to understand and know that there is a formula you know, and you should help your help your employees be a part of that formula but also teach that you know teach your employees the formula and um if you know that they're in the wrong seat don't force them to stay in the seat underperforming shift them to where you know that they'll perform and that's that becomes part of knowing your team
5: yeah and one
1: can inspire
2: tomorrow. This is journalism that helps the world we
3: live in. This is makes it news.
5: Another thing I would also add to that is as, as an entrepreneur leader, you know, when you're trying to create your culture or create your team, you uh, be really, really clear on one of the values that you're looking for mm. and really turn up the volume on those. You know, when you think about the best highest performing cultures from, from from a company perspective, they are not vanilla. They are very, very spicy. <laughs> no, no pun intended. We're getting back to hot sauce. But they are really spicy. In other words, some people go there and they're like, I don't like this place. These people put the word cult in culture. And then other people go there and they go, oh, my gosh, I just found home. So you want right. your culture to, to be to, 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 re, to attract and repel. And it's only going to do that if it's really spicy, not if it's vanilla. So make it really, really clear, like the people who are going to be happiest here are going to embody these things. And if this is you, this, is, this, this could be home for you. And if this isn't you, you might want to find another place. So I think that's part of the job of any kind of uh, leader, particularly entrepreneur, as they're building you know, a, a, a kind of a, a fast-moving startup environment is that you know, you're really clear on the kind of people that you're looking for and the culture you're trying to create. Um it's one of the it's one of the few things that only a leader can offer. And you know, strategy and priorities is one of them. But the other one is culture. So we've got to really own that if we're going to be truly uh, whether we're leading in a
4: company or, or building our own, we've got to own that. Definitely. And so that brings me to the next question, Brandon. What is the so you've said it you've already said it a few times. But what is the one thing that you would recommend for every entrepreneur to do? Or not just entrepreneurs but those who are still in the in the workforce, they um or shifting into entrepreneurship or they just they're currently looking for a job. What is the one thing that you can one piece of advice that you can give them to assist them to make sure that this next job is not like the last one?
5: Really good question, and I have a different answer for people who want to become entrepreneurs than I do for people who are looking for jobs. Awesome. So I'm going to give you the answer for entrepreneurs first. Okay. So if if, if and I'm going I'm to give it by painting this kind of picture. So there are three really rare jewels in life that any any successful entrepreneur is going to need to have in her pocket. Um, and you have to have all three. You can't have just two out of three. It doesn't work this way. You've got to have all three. The first one would be some sense of purpose. So some North Star, like why are you doing this? What's, what's your why? And, and, and ideally, your business is tied to that. So what's the need in the world you're trying to meet? Like, are you trying to build a business because you you see a need with a particular group of customers that aren't getting a particular need met and your heart goes out to them? You know, what is that that purpose That North Star? For me, it's curing workplace dysfunction, but you want to have that North Star. So you can almost imagine, you know, you're kind of lost in the woods in the middle of the night and it's dark. You need that North Star to look up to to see where you're going. The second thing you need is courage, okay? You're going to have to take that first step. Uh, that's why all the people listening right now that are, are, are still in a job, it's, this is one of them. It's courage. They're afraid to take that first step. They're trying to calculate it just perfectly, and it's never going to be perfect. It's like, having, it's like having kids. The timing is never right. You're never, you never know enough. You just have to figure it out as you go along. So it, it's the same kind of idea. So courage to take that first step. You're in the middle of the night. You can't see where you are, and you can't see your feet, but you're going to take that first step. That's the mm-hmm. second rare jewel. The third rare jewel is faith. And faith can be your spiritual faith, but faith can also just be knowing it's going to work out. Faith is taking the second step and the third step and the fourth step when you're in the woods and you can't mm-hmm. see where you're going, but you're going to keep walking towards that North star. Faith begins when data ends. And as an entrepreneur, you're never going to have enough data. There's going to be a lot of gut instinct and just kind of, you've got to keep moving forward. Um, and so it's it's those three things are really important if you're gonna go out and start something on your own um you gotta have purpose, you gotta have courage and you gotta have faith and If you're missing one of those it it it'll it'll cause issues so if you don't have purpose, mm-hmm. um what will happen is you'll have courage and faith you'll walk a little bit down a path, but then you get but then something else becomes shiny and you go that path then something else becomes shiny and you go down another path. If you, have purpose and, if you have purpose and faith but no courage, you're not even going to take the first step. You're just still going to stand mm-hmm. there frozen in the woods. And if you have um, purpose and courage but no faith, it's like a dance move. You'll take a few steps forward, and then you'll get scared, and you'll move back into the starting position. And a few steps forward and then back in the starting position. You'll keep going forward and backwards, forward and backwards. So you need all three of those to kind of keep you moving forward. Um, so that would be my kind of piece of advice for anyone thinking about kind of going down the entrepreneurial path, really try and work on those three things. Get a clear sense of purpose, really push yourself to be to take some courageous, bold steps, um, and then um, faith, you know, making sure that you don't get too scared early. It's, for a lot of entrepreneurs, It's it's about, you know, getting that flywheel running. I know for me, it took me several years until my business really started picking up momentum where I didn't worry about revenue. Um, on January 1st. But, you know, those many, many times I turned to my wife and said, we have $5 in the bank account. Please do not take any money out. We have 5 bucks." Uh, and those are some of those early conversations of an entrepreneur. You have to be okay with that.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah.
5: But, but fortunately, that's not, that's not what it is today. And it's, it's more about kind of pushing through those. So long answer, but uh, uh, I think a really important one for people looking to be entrepreneurs
4: well, thank you. Thank you very much. That was a wonderful answer for those who are going to be entrepreneurs. Because I've experienced all three of those. I've experienced having the courage yeah. and the faith, but no purpose. And then I I was a shiny, thingy person. Oh, look. Yeah. Look at that over there. Let me go do this. Then, yeah. Oh, look at that over there. Let me do, Oh, look at that. And, that. and then once I had purpose, it was okay. So. I just kind of stood there because I'm like, okay, that's a big purpose. I don't know if I have the courage to actually move forward. But I have the faith yeah. that, that when I do move, eventually it'll work, you know, or you have the purpose and the courage but not the faith. It's like, man, look, I can do this. I know what my purpose is. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the faith that it's actually going to come out the way, you know, so I'm. I've literally been in all three categories and if you you're right, you're absolutely right, Brenda. If you do not have all three in place, you will go in a consistent cycle of yeah. incompletion for a long time before it's like, Okay, look, I'm tired of this. Let me just put all three of these together and just do it. I'm just gonna do it. I'm not gonna sit here and think about it. I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm not gonna for I'm just gonna do this and that and like you said, when once you just do it, it just just move. So thank you,
5: yeah. entrepreneurs. I hope you yeah. were taking notes. <laughs> yeah, to be an entrepreneur is to be to be vulnerable. It is to be vulnerable, yeah. and you have to learn to be comfortable with vulnerability. Uh, so let me say that one more time: you have to learn to be comfortable with vulnerability, and and you have to be able to overcome fear. And that's that's why those three those three jewels in your pocket are really important because they'll keep you strong. Purpose, courage, and faith will keep you strong and keep you kind of uh, weathering some tough, tough storms uh, because no one likes to be vulnerable. Um, as people we don't like to do that, but it's learning to get comfortable with that. That's why there's the mantra of fail fast in most startups, all about getting comfortable with vulnerability. Um, and the entrepreneurs that are you know, the most successful, they, they develop resilience and they recognize that, I'm, as a good mentor of mine would say, I'm enough in my limitedness not perfect, but I'm enough. I can figure this out. Um, but it's all about wow. getting that place. Those are some powerful words.
4: <laughs> I'm yeah. enough in my limits. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, Brendan, how can our audience reach out to you, um, our entrepreneurs, if they, if they realize, okay, look, my environment isn't the greatest. I need, I need Brandon over here ASAP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, can they, how, can they, how can they reach out to you?
5: So I'm a really easy guy to find. If you just Google the workplace therapist, there's only one. That's me. So really easy to find. Um, you can find me on theworkplacetherapist.com. That's um, a, a, an easy way to connect with me. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all those, Instagram, all those social media outlets, so we can connect that way. Um, and then my firm, um, where I work with b- both entrepreneurs and small businesses, medium businesses, large businesses, nonprofits, um, that is called The WorkSmiths, just like blacksmiths, The WorkSmiths, so theworksmiths.com. And um, that's where I help kind of make uh, workplaces uh, more more effective and healthier. Uh, but you can also even link over to that from the workplace therapist. So I would tell everyone listening if you wanted to learn more about me or just get connected, and, um, uh, the the workplace therapist is a good starting place.
4: Awesome. So, and ladies and gentlemen, we will definitely have all of that in the show notes as well. Brandon, I want to thank you so much for coming out and spending time with us today and dropping these amazing nuggets for our audience because that communication in the workplace and having that that work environment that everyone loves to go to is very important when it comes to the success of any business and just the overall success of a person's personal growth as well. So, again, I thank you so much for what you do and what you are continuing to do. I thank you for your purpose as well. And do you have any final words for our audience today?
5: You know, maybe it is just going back to uh, one word I've used a lot today, uh, and that's the word clarity. Mm -hmm. I love the word clarity because I think clarity can really make things healthy for us. So clarity can be towards some of the things we just talked about, clarity around your purpose and have clarity around courage and faith on where you want to go with your life. But clarity can also be around expectations you have for your team and for others, and making that very clear. So you're putting hot sauce on the right things. So um, clarity is, is the first step to setting ultimately healthy boundaries and having the life that you want. So maybe that's kind of the challenge for everyone today listening is start with that word. Start with the word clarity. What are you clear on, and what could you get clearer
4: on? thank you thank you very much and clarity is yes, yeah, thank you very much My personal experience i have learned clarity is extremely important so brandon thank you so much for joining us today for the secret to success podcast ladies and gentlemen thank you all for listening You can find all of the contact information that Brendan mentioned in the show notes so you can be able to reach out to him. Definitely follow his blog and his podcast. Remember to hit subscribe, share, like, hit the bell so you can get the notifications as well. Thank you all so much for joining us today, and we hope you have an amazing day today.
1: i t e r zip recruiter.com slash b to b and i promise you you will be grateful that you did so again that's zip recruiter.com slash b to b it's also in the show notes